Hey, here we go, here we go. Dominion Sonship coming live, coming live, coming live. Coming live and alive. Live and alive because we are of the living and we're not of the dead. We are of the living and we're not of the dead. We do have a message today. It is a message that I believe that all of us can ask ourselves on a daily basis, really moment by moment within the day, we can ask ourselves a thousand times, who is our rest in this moment? The title is, Who is Your Rest? Who is your rest? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. We have been on the theme of that we are of God and not of man, that we are of heaven and not of earth. And, and right before that uh, teaching, uh, we had touched and spent a lot of times in Hebrews chapter 3 and especially Hebrews 4 about the Sabbath day rest, that there is a, a, a rest remaining now to the people of God that we are to walk in, enter in, appropriate, and that that rest looks like looks like a hearing of the word of God, a hearing of the message preached. So it will benefit us. And when the word preached is understood and we are entering into it, we are entering into really a divine rest called faith. Faith is this rest. And I believe back in May, beginning of May, the message that really touched on that was... Um, yeah, the good fight of faith. And I spent a lot of times in Hebrews 4. And so then we moved into us being of heaven and not of earth. And so here we go. Who is your rest today? In um, Hebrews 7, we're going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ, who really, this is the answer. The answer for, for this question is Jesus is my rest. Jesus is my Sabbath day rest. Jesus is my life. I now through the new birth have entered into his body. And when I abide in his word, I'm abiding in him. I'm abiding in rest. And therefore he is my perpetual rest from the struggles and the trials and the temptations that are found in this world. And so look at this, look at this seven. Mm. Let's start at 14 for a little bit more of a context, but really I'm going to go more towards verse 20. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. Purpose, purpose of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. God always does a new thing, but it is purposeful. Why? It's so, it's so that he's always reshifting our focus back on him out of tradition, out of the works of the flesh, out of that which was comfortable and how it's been like this. So and so for generations down to my great-grandmother went to this particular church. Well, it's a brand new moment. It's a reshifting. And so here we see a huge shift, a huge shift that the writer of Hebrews is writing about. A new priesthood arising, not of the traditions of men, not, not through the old priesthood of, of Aaron, but of a new priesthood that has come in the power of an eternal life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this one, 
our Lord that rose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident. Is it far more evident to you and I today? If in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, who has come, he has already come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Is this evident to you and I today? That our Jesus, my rest, my high priest has come not in the ordinance of fleshly commandments, but of the spirit that gives life. Why is this important? Why, why it's important is because this is a defining moment of you entering into rest. Because if you're still moving in the ordinances of man, if you're still moving in the old traditions of man, if you're still moving in the fleshly commandments, you will not enter this rest that remains the Lord Jesus Christ, this rest of life. This rest of life. In life, we all want a rest. And we always relate to it, it being a vacation. Well, Jesus is the rest, the ultimate rest, my ultimate satisfaction, my ultimate fulfillment, life himself. And so he's, he continues for he testifies, you're a priest forever regarding the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the order of Melchizedek. From the one hand, from the one hand, there is a knowledge of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Well, yes, because if the first covenant worked, then there would have been no more need to do perpetual sacrifices. But the consciousness of men, the word says in Hebrews as well, was not purified from the blood of goats and bulls. The conscience of men to enter into the rest of God, to know I'm one with my heavenly Father, is only accomplished through the blood of Christ. Forming a brand new covenant that is appeasing a guilty conscience. That is rest. And so what is your peace today from a guilty conscience? I can rephrase my title. What, 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 what is it that ceases the torment in your mind? What is it that brings a stillness to the turmoil of your soul? Jesus, the word of the living God, the word made flesh. As I've partaken this word, as I've allowed it to profit me, like I'm going back to Hebrews 4. I am. I'm entering into a rest that remains. Verse 19, the, that former commandment was weak, was not profitable, for the law made nothing perfect. It made nothing perfect. The ordinances of fleshly commandments of do's and don't do's make nothing 
perfect. What did we finish off with last week in Colossians 2? Stay in Hebrews, but we can take a look at Colossians 2. Who is your rest? Who is your solace? Who is your comfort? Who is your God? The answer to who your God is is the answer to who your rest, where your rest is. And you know who your God is, is by the one you bow the knee to. Not just Sunday morning. Not just Sunday morning. But day in and day out. Especially on the stormy seas of life in this hour. What did we read? Colossians 2, 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Can I say fleshly regulations? Why do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish. Why did did that old covenant, why was it found weak? Here's the answer. Because it, it, it it always dealt with things that perish with using. According to the commandments and doctrines of men. These, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility. And neg- but look at this. This false humility, this self-imposed religion that is based on fleshly regulations <laughs> and, and neglect of the body has absolutely no value, no value against the indulgences of the flesh. No value against the indulgences of the flesh. This is how we do Christianity. We just take our pretty little selves, our little pretty clothes, down, down, down to the local church, and we say, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, we love it. We sing our little songs and listen to a good message and leave that service completely unchanged, totally carnal, with absolutely no restraint to living the life of Christ that is a crucified life, a life of glory, a life of dominion, a life that is from above that has come into to the power of this endless life. A new covenant he's given to us. And so if we continue, have you read Hebrews this way before? Have you read the power that resides in the blood of Christ this way? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to expound the truth of your new covenant? That you're partaker of divine nature. It's a covenant between the Father and the Son, and you're a benefactor of it. And so that old covenant based on fleshly commandments made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. Ha! There is a bringing in of a better hope. His name is Jesus. There is a moving of a plan that is of God. A priesthood that was predetermined, that was going to raise from a praise unto God, a Judah. A declaration of triumph, of the sounding of the symbols, 
Oh, who is our God? Pure joy, pure confidence in battle. There is now a bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. This is the rest. And so then we continue in, in as much as he was not made priest without an oath. He was not made a priest without an oath. Not, sorry, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, there was a swearing in, can I say, of the Father bringing out the Son, and this is what it was. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. Can you imagine the heavenly God, the eternal God that's created heaven and earth has sworn and will not relent? Who is our God? He will not relent where Christ is concerned. There's only one way to go to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety, a security. You have a collateral. You have a guarantee that you will make it. He's become a surety of a better covenant also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death. Also, there were many priests. Before him, there were many priests. Because they were prevented by death from continuing. There had to be many. But now there's one remaining who has come in the power of an endless life. My husband actually read these verses to me the other day. And the neat thing is in my flesh, I did not understand what he was saying. And when I was in the prayer chair, the Lord said exactly what my husband said. And opened up my ears to hear what my husband said to me right here. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost. Do you believe this today? He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, through my rest, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And he just continues into what a glorious thought down at the end of 27. For this he did once and for all, laying down his life, right? He did it once and for all when he offered up himself. Hmm. And it finishes off in 28, that the son who has been appointed has been perfected forever. And so now, and so now we go back to our question, who is your rest? Let's go to Matthew. Six, sobriety, sobriety right here. We'll bring into sobriety. Matthew 6, 19. We have been speaking of being of heaven and not of earth, of God and not of man. And because of it, we do have a part to play in the, in the salvation that has been freely given to us through the through the Lord Jesus Christ, our priest, our high priest. And this is it. This is 
part of it, what it looks like. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't be distracted with the earthly. Don't be about the earthly. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves. We're to lay up something. You know, I always talk about the Lord laying up an inheritance for us. Where, where was that inheritance laid up? Peter tells us in heavenly places. I got to look at Peter. Just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. In 1 Peter chapter 1, that we, in verse 3, that we now have a, a living hope because we've been begotten again by our heavenly Father through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, verse 4, that now we are begotten, and verse 4 continues, says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved where? In heaven for you. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We'll read that and we get excited, but we got to pair it up with here, Matthew 6, 19, 20. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How? By taking your gaze off the earthly. By taking your gaze off the fleshly commandments. By recognizing yourself after your new creation, man. I am of heaven. And where he is, Colossians says, I am right there. And so I'm to behold him. I'm to behold him because he's above. I'm to pin my gaze on him, the one above. And so here, Matthew writes, Lay for yourselves treasures in heaven when neither moth nor rust destroys because it's not of the flesh. It's not corruptible. And no thief can break in and steal. We'll never be spoiled. Unsullied, Peter says. Satan can't touch it. Satan can't touch me. Yeah. And, and our eyes all over the world. Yes, he can touch you. He's totally mesmerized you. The way Satan can't touch you is when you have pinned your gaze on the heavenly, the heavenly inheritance. You're laying it up. All that you do, you do unto him. In obedience, in submission to the call of God in your life. Verse 21 goes with, who is your rest? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you know, amazing, the context of this, he moves right into what? The gaze, the eyes, the lamp of the body. What are you beholding today? He says the lamp of the body is the eye. Last week's message was set your mind. And the gaze is a big part on how you set your mind. That which you behold. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good. If you've set your eye on the heavenly price, the upward call as Paul did. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, if you're looking at the earthly that is corruptible, it's bad. 
bad moments in history right now. It's bad. But if you survey that, your whole body will be full of darkness. Why? Because you're beholding darkness, and whatever you behold, you become. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And look at that 24. No one can serve to masters. You have a choice to make today. No one can serve to masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. You've got to make a choice who your rest is. Is it God or is it money? Is it God or is it money? Oh, Desi, you're too tough. What does the word say? You can't serve two masters. You have to make this choice. And it's a choice done just once in a while. Every day you wake up, you pick up the cross of the new covenant. Every day you wake up. And you remind yourself you have a high priest, Jesus, who has not come under the ordinance of man, fleshly commandments, no, but he's come in the power of an eternal life. And now in the power of his life, I live. I move and have my being. What does that look like? Glory. It looks like I have set my treasure, my gaze, my sight, my sight up above where he is. So that all that's within me is good. All that's within me is good because I'm beholding the only good God. Far above all he is. Far above powers and principalities and where he is. I've been raised together with him into that place. That's why I, ha I have an ability. I've been well equipped to be able to gaze upon his gaze. I'm one with him. I'm one with my heavenly father. Don't be mesmerized by the world today. Don't be mesmerized by carnal Christianity today. Don't be mesmerized by the foolishness that's so-called going on in some local little churches. Nothing is as it was and never would it ever be. Just as there was shifting season when Jesus came, there has been a shifting all along. A realignment back to our first love, back to our way, putting our gaze, to putting our treasure up above. Not submitting to a false reality. Colossians, we read in Colossians that the substance, or another translation of that says, the reality is only found in Christ. And in that context, Paul is saying to the Colossians, don't be cheated of your salvation. Don't be cheated of this eternal hope. He says there's a new hope moving in now. Jesus, the son of the living God. Not to be dull of hearing, not, not to be carnal of understanding, but to be alive by the Spirit of the Living One. Hey now, Mark, in Mark 12 there is one. We're going to go to, um, there's something in Matthew, but in Mark 10 here. My, oh, sorry, yeah, where is it? Mark 2, Mark 2. 
There's another one in 10. I'll look at later on if I have time. In Mark 2, on the way to Matthew. In Mark 2, 27. Again, fleshly commandment versus, versus the word that gives life. You know, the eating of the grain, the eating of, 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 of King David. At that time, he wasn't king, but, you know, as he was fleeing, he went into, into the tabernacle. He went and broke the bread and ate, ate with his hungry man. And here were Jesus' disciples doing something similar, walking through the grains on the Sabbath and plucking the grains to eat. And here are those of the fleshly commandments, the Pharisees chastising them. Don't you know the commandment, boy? What did Colossians say? Has no value to restrain the flesh. This scornful pointing of the finger. Don't you know you should do better? This is how we do it. This is how the doctrine goes. Has absolutely no power to restrain your carnality. All it takes you into pretense, because now you've got to masquerade to pretend that you really are doing something in compliance when inside of you are full of rebellion, dead bones, whitewashed tombs we can so easily become. Talking from my own moment here. Look at that. Jesus rebukes them in verse 25, Mark 2:25. He said to them, Have you never read, never read? Can you imagine? The Pharisees who, who could quote it backward and forward. He says, have you never read? What an ultimate insult. Truth will insult your carnality. Truth will insult your wrong doctrine. Truth will insult you. He says, have you not read? It is written. If God be for me, who can be against me? Look at that. He says, have you not read? What David did when he wasn't in need. So obviously, obviously did not read the way Jesus wanted them to read. And many today are not reading in that manner. With understanding, with eyes wide open to God, with a pure conscience being sanctified through the blood of Christ. All of them pretending, pretending, hiding the little secret peeves and, and sins and no one to know me. You live life before God. He knows it all. Time to repent. Time to change your ways. Time to grow up, Desi Schneider, time to grow up. He went into the house of God on the day of Abiathar the high priest, and he ate the showbread, ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat through the fleshly command, was not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him. He broke their order. He did not come through the old priesthood. He came through Judah. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Huh. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Who is the Lord of the Sabbath? The Lord Jesus Christ. Who is your rest today? From, from, from the chastising, uh, voices of Satan that we call condemnation. Who is your rest today? 
From the voice that's always saying, you missed it again. You opened the wrong door again. This assault is because you opened it. No, I did not open the wrong door. My heart is wide open to God. Ever being opened. Ever being expanding in revelation knowledge. Abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the only place I'm opening the heart, the door of my heart. God. And when I sow into the Spirit, when I abide in this Word, when I set my eyes on the heavenly prize, I'm, what am I doing? Laying up treasure in heaven. What am I doing? I'm living life accountable to Him alone. What am I doing? I'm submitting to the only true God. Serving Him alone. And He, therefore, is my Sabbath day rest. The Sabbath was made for man. Rest was made for you and I. Jesus was sent by the Father, made to lay down his life for you and I. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. I don't have to work it to earn a little rest. Fleshly commandments. That, that jump this high becomes jump this high, becomes jump this high, becomes jump this high, where it becomes impossible to jump. Nope. We are today unhooking from that shore, and we're making it across onto the other side. Okay, uh, Matthew 12. He says the same here in Matthew 12, I believe. Yeah, 8. I'm just, it's just one line. It's just affirming that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And this is, um, again, in this is the same context of the same story, but Matthew says in verse 8, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He is Lord of my life and even of the Sabbath. He is my Lord through and through and through. All right, so now, Luke 8. We read this before last week. Luke 8. 16. And so he talked about the lamp, right? So, uh, the word, the light of the word, what did we read? We, we read in Matthew about our eye being a lamp. So if you, if we can keep that in context as we read this, it's a little bit of a, of a new nuance, so to say. But in, you know, Jesus in Matthew said that our eyes are the lamp to our body. And so here he's saying, no one when he is lit a lamp, when revelation has gone off in us, covers it. How do you cover it? Fleshy commandments. How do you cover it? Carnal understanding. Covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed or puts it under a bed, something that you lie on. Puts it under that which you lie on to rest. So can I say, who is your bed today? He doesn't do that, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. That those who enter into your vicinity, that those that enter into sphere of influence will see the lamp, the light of your life. Will see it. You don't have to even so much as it. They will see it. The eye being the lamp of the body, they'll see it. 
the light beaming out of your eyes, revelation, knowledge. They'll see a different manner of life. They'll see it. Be the light. Be a seen light. Don't hide. Don't hide. For there's nothing secret that will not be revealed. There is a revealing going on right now of a lot of secret things. Nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed now how you hear. Take heed. Take heed how you hear. For whoever has to him, more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, we taken away. And last week I spoke about it being, this is being accountable to, to that which we hear and how we hear, which tied it to Hebrews 4, that there is a way that we can hear that's a prophet to us. And the way that we can hear with carnal ears, it would not profit us. Meaning that though the word is alive and quick and sharp, a two-edged sword, if we're not listening with the ears of faith, listening with the ears of faith, this living reality will be of no benefit to us. Because we already made choices, we know it all. Just know it all. I'm just making do to the trumpet sounds. I'm going to go by the way of the rapture before tribulation. I'll be just fine. First flight out. Here I go, Jesus. We are accountable for this light of revelation. To be a light in this, in this world. Because what does Galatians say? Six, six that the world has been crucified to us. We, we're not the same. We're not the same. All right. Mark 10. And we read this one as well. Forsake the world. Forsake carnality. Forsake carnality and fleshly commandments. Forsake them. Count them in your past and move on into this divine reality of Christ within you, the Christ nature. Um. Ten twenty nine, Mark ten twenty nine, and Jesus said to the question that they had earlier in, in twenty three, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. He just said that because why? They trust in riches; they're serving the wrong master. They're piling treasure on earth. Wrong master. You can't serve both. How hard it is for, for those. This is at the end of 24. Red letters. How hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Before we get too caught up on what the avenue is, take note of the con, take note of the, the import, what, what, where's the emphasis? The emphasis trusting in riches. Because that which you trust in will determine where you go and how you go through in life. And they were greatly, so they were greatly astonished. Who then can be saved? 
Because to them, it seems even to us as well, that everyone is trusting in riches nowadays. Who then can be saved? God's got a remnant. This is it. Jesus, because why? We're not to look around. We're to look to him. We all things are made possible. What did Jesus say? I love his sauce himself. I love him. With man, it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. The state of the heart, God can navigate in anyone's life. That's where prayer comes in. The prayer closet of you setting your gaze on him and seeing him alone. And Peter said to him, see, we have all left. See, we have left all and followed you. And look at Jesus. What beauty this is to me. What, what, what kindness. He knows, he knows, he knows what, how we're walking life. He knows it. He said, uh, he said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels and the gospels, the preaching of the word to be a light in this world. For my body to be lit up with the light of the gospel. Mm. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Yes, with persecutions, but that's okay. Because we are above. Though hard pressed will not be crushed. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And so let's go back to Colossians. Back to Colossians. We'll finish off. Mm. I'm going to start 2.16 and, and finish around. We'll see where we'll finish. Maybe just the first couple of verses or three in in chapter 3, but let's see. Let no one judge you, Paul says, in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Don't get stuck on it. Traditions of men. A shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. That which holds is Christ. What was faith? Substance of things not seen. It's Christ. He is the substance. So many, we've gone to Hebrews 11. What is the substance? Christ is the substance. He is my faith. The faith of the Son of God lives in me. I have a new birth. He is my substance. He is the one I walk on. He is the voice I follow. He is the one that says you're going to make your destiny to the other side all the way. No matter the little storms or the big storms. You're going to make it. You and I in Christ, when He is our substance, will make it. will be a living testimony of the living Christ and we're going to so let this light shine and flood the world. Many would see the goodness of God through us. Let no one cheat you 
Be on guard. Beware. Let no one cheat you of your reward. Taking delight in false humility. False humility. This, this false piety. It, it, it carries a little face. A little face. A little pious face. Worship of angels, intruding into those, intruding into those things which he has not seen. So many, so many are ready to share of their vision. So many are ready to talk about their little experiences. But he says, they're vainly puffed up by fleshy minds. At times, at times. There are those who do have powerful visions. But it's when you let it get to your head and puffs you up. It's really of no value at that moment. Not holding, because this is what it does. It can take you astray. This false humility, worshiping of angels, will take you astray. Verse 19, not holding fast to the head, And we already looked, Jesus is the head, right? He is the word made flesh. That we're to think his thoughts, renewing our minds. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with increase that is from God. The rest of God looks like this nourishment. The rest of God looks like this building up of his body. The rest of God is not idleness, but there is a growth and increase to it. That's why the word says you know them by their fruits. So I'll know who your rest is by surveying the manner of your life. Very easy, not complicated. We like to make it complicated because we don't want anyone to look a little too close unto me. Don't judge me, brother or sister. I don't want you to know that money really is my rest. I'm really working towards money more than knowing the will of God for my life. I don't want anyone to know that I really don't trust God that much. But I do trust riches a little more. The state of our heart. And so today, we want to encourage ourselves to lay hold of that word made flesh. The head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Therefore, if you died with Christ, I read this earlier, I'll read it again. If you died with Christ, reckon you out to men dead to the basic principles of the world. Why? Why as though, as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Your citizenship is in heaven. That's where you live. You live above all. You live above. Don't pretend you're just a mere human living on earth. He says, as though living in the world, you're subjecting yourself to regulations. Just write that you can ponder for days and let it judge you. 
do not touch, nor taste, nor handle, which all concerns, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of man. He's saying, beware, lest anyone cheat you of your reward. These doctrines and commandments of man have that potential. They cheat you. These philosophies are no substance. The only substance is Christ. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value. No value against the indulgences of the flesh. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, we talked about it last week, set your mind, how? By seeking, by putting your gaze onto Jesus. Set your mind on those things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, you died, you died. And your life, your new life is in his body, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. And I see that when I start perceiving his life, that's where I start manifesting his life. And so we finish with where we started pretty much, back to Matthew 6. Because it goes so well with Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Paul said in Colossians, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting, is, is seated. Because why? Things on earth, there is moth, rust destroys them, thieves breaking in and steal. Verse 20 in Matthew 6, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, when you the moth nor rust destroys. Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. There's no corruption. Why? Because the substance of heaven is Jesus. Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, this is it. That was the question for the day. Who is your rest? Who is your treasure? Who is your God? Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen.